0: This show is brought to you by helixsleep.com. Sleep is absolutely critical, especially as you get older, but no two people sleep alike. That's why Helix offers several different mattress models, each designed for specific sleep positions and preferences. Go to helixsleep.com slash dailywire and take their sleep quiz to find a mattress made for you. Whether you're a side sleeper, a stomach sleeper, a hot sleeper, or a cold sleeper, Helix has you covered. I took the Helix sleep quiz and was matched with a Helix Midnight Mattress because I want a medium firmness and a sleep on my side. So far, my new mattress is a godsend. Don't want to take my word for it. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Take the quiz and order the perfect mattress right to your door, shipped for free. It's so quick and fun to unbox, you won't believe how well you sleep. All Helix mattresses come with a 100-night trial and a 10- or 15-year warranty. Helix even offers financing options and flexible payment plans. A great night's sleep is just a few clicks away. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com dailywire and use code helixpartner20. That's helixsleep.com dailywire code helixpartner20.
2: Today on The Matt Walsh Show, in honor of Trans Day of Visibility, the Biden administration has made a number of policy changes, including allowing you to list yourself as the gender of X on your passport. How exactly is that going to work? Also, backlash grows against Disney's self-professed gay agenda as we at The Daily Wire announce our response to leftism in children's entertainment. And a lesbian couple sues a fertility clinic for giving them a boy instead of a girl. The experience of giving birth to a boy was, they say, like, quote, rape in our daily cancellation, people with PhDs complain about being marginalized when others fail to address them as doctors. So you know we got to cancel these people. All of that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show. Well, if you've been listening to my show for a while, you're probably familiar with one of our top sponsors, Rock Auto. Recently, my producer, McKenna, told me about her own experience shopping with Rock Auto, and how great it was for her as a person who knows nothing about cars. I don't remember this conversation. McKenna was carpooling with her boyfriend during an ice storm and turned on his windshield wipers before he got in the car to help get rid of the ice. But with this simple act, she destroyed his windshield wipers and they had to drive in the rain with wipers that barely could wipe the rain away. During the drive to work, she figured it was worth checking rockauto.com to see if they had a replacement option for the windshield wipers. And sure enough, she was able to buy some new windshield wipers for the car that are made to deal with ice and for a surprisingly reasonable price. So if you're like McKenna and you like to write ad copy about yourself and you need a quick fix or if you need to do some major repairs, you should check out rockauto.com. Once you go to Rock Auto, you can tell that I was just telling that story from memory. A list will guide you through every single make and model that you could possibly imagine. All you have to do is quickly find your car and Rock Auto will give you a list of every part available for your vehicle. Included with the with the uh, port descriptions are photos and specs so you can feel confident you're choosing the correct parts. So go to rockauto.com for your auto part needs today and write Walsh in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that I'm the one that sent you. That's rockauto.com to shop for your auto parts today. As you may or may not have heard, today is a sacred holiday called International Trans Day of Visibility. This is a day set aside to specially affirm, acknowledge, recognize, celebrate trans people. And it's good that we have a day like this because there are not enough days on the calendar specifically dedicated to honoring people uh, who, who identify as LGBT. I mean, all we have right now is International Transgender Day of Visibility and also Lesbian Visibility Day, April 26th. And uh, International Day Against Homophobia, Transphobia, and Biphobia, May 17th. And of course, Harvey Milk Day, May 22nd. And Pansexual and Panromantic Visibility Day, May 24th. And obviously Pride Month in June, followed by Bisexuality Day, uh, September 23rd. And then obviously Bisexual Awareness Week, September 23rd to September 30th. And National Coming Out Day, October 11th. Pronouns Day, October 16th. National LGBT Center Awareness Day, October 19th, Spirit Day, October 20th, Intersex Awareness Day, October 26th, Asexual Awareness Week, October 23rd through the 29th, um, and Transgender Day of Remembrance, November 20th, and Pansexual Panromantic Pride Day, December 8th. So you see, LGBT people clearly aren't visible enough. All they have is an entire month and a dozen other separate holidays. And that's all they got along with really every other day on the calendar, because no group of people on Earth today or at any other time in history have been so specially and obsessively and incessantly recognized and celebrated. There has never been such a mismatch between a group's size in the population and their influence over the culture. It's an influence so extreme That society itself is being reorganized as we speak in order to cater to the demands of LGBT activists. Every institution in the country has made LGBT awareness and activism its primary priority. Major corporations like Disney are willingly alienating 99% of their customer base for the sake of LGBT extremism. Our very conception of reality itself, of human nature, of biology, is being reordered and reshaped at the behest of LGBT activists. And the process isn't done because, I mean, it's never done. In fact, the White House unveiled today a whole new list of initiatives to um, coincide with the Trans Day of Visibility. Charlotte Clymer, who's a militant trans activist with the Human Rights Campaign, outlined all of the new policies in a Twitter thread this morning. So I'm going to read some of this to you. It says, The White House and federal agencies put out a number of wonderful announcements about trans rights a few hours ago. And so I'm so so excited to tell you about them because today should be a day about trans and non-binary joy. One, The State Department announced that starting on April 11th, U.S. citizens will be able to select X as a non-binary gender marker on passports. They are the first federal agency to codify this inclusive policy. Applicants can um, already self-select without medical documentation. Two, uh, TSA announced that they are updating their body scanners at airport security to move away from tech that has led to trans and non-binary travelers experiencing frequent discrimination, reducing unnecessary and invasive and humiliating body searches. So excited for this. Three, TSA is also working with airlines to implement non binary markers during the flight booking process, removing gender considerations with validating traveler info at airport security, including non binary markers during TSA pre check enrollment and CBP trusted traveler. Four, Department of Health and Human Service. Uh, Services released a new website that offers resources and guidance for LGBTQ youth and families to counteract several GOP-led state governments removing such resources from their own websites in recent months. And five, the Department of Education's Office of Safe and Supportive Schools is expanding training with more resources to educate school leaders and communities about the challenges facing trans and non-binary youth and their families. And the list goes on. Clymer lays out actually 13 new trans-affirming initiatives from the White House today, And notes that it's only a partial list. But let's focus for a moment on just the first three items. You'll now be allowed to put your gender down as X on your passport. Now, the whole point of a passport, of course, is to provide information about your physical identity so that governments can document and keep records of who is coming and going. That's why we have passports. So if they're going to let you put X as your gender on your passport because that's how you feel, whatever the hell it means to feel like an X They might as well let you change your date of birth to better align with your self-perception. I was born on June 18th, 1986, but um, sometimes I feel like somebody who was born on April uh, 4th, 1991. Or, you know, August 7th, 1948. I feel like that sometimes. How does that feel? It just just feels how I feel. I'm not asking any questions about it. Why can't I change my passport to reflect that? Really, if identity is fluid, then... We shouldn't have passports at all. I mean, all the passport does at best is capture my identity on the moment when I applied for it and took the picture. But no passport can truly encapsulate the full essence of my ever-evolving being. Now, you might point out that this passport change is total insanity for many reasons, not the least of which being that the rest of the world has not signed on to this. Your passport as an American is meant to get you into other countries. But most other countries in the world, especially in the non-Western world, do not recognize the gender of X. You're going to have a lot of trouble explaining your X gender to the customs agent over in Iran or Tanzania. Has the Biden administration taken that into account? I mean, have they coordinated with every other government in the world to make sure that this is going to be recognized? Well, of course not. These are important practical concerns, but important practical concerns have no weight when stacked up against a trans person's desire to be affirmed. And as established, all of human society must be reorganized for that purpose. It's our highest purpose as a civilization. It's our only purpose. That's why we're all here. Did you know that? It's just to affirm LGBT people. It's it's the only reason you exist. Now, That explains why all of these changes are also being made to the airport screening process. Now, at least the changes there, if if this actually happens, they reduce the airport strip searches, uh, make the screening process less invasive, etc. Those are mostly positive. I mean, that's assuming that this will be the case for everybody and not just trans people. Uh, They're making it less invasive for everybody. If that's the case, that's a big if, then I would call that a positive change. But consider the fact that travelers at American airports have been treated like suspected drug smugglers and terrorists for 20 years. I mean, for 20 years, just the simple fact that you want to get on a Delta Airlines flight and you know fly to um, uh, Cincinnati or something, that alone meant that you are suspected of terrorism and they're going to treat you as if they have reasonable suspicion of a crime. So they're going to do all these searches and everything else. So they've been doing that for 20 years. They've been doing pat downs on old ladies in wheelchairs and making kids remove their shoes in case the you know the, the a little nine year old is sneaking explosives in his Velcro Nikes. They've been doing all of this for multiple decades, no matter how much we complained about it. But all it took was a few trans people feeling uncomfortable, and suddenly the whole system is being retooled. You know, yet an, an old lady complains about it, and, and they say, "Shut up, granny." But then a trans person complains and they say, oh, no, I'm so sorry. Well, here, let's just completely change everything for your sake. I'm I'm sorry to have offended you. Please forgive us. If that's not privilege and power, I don't know what is. Now, those in the audience who are a little bit younger and only became politically aware a few years ago, or maybe people who are older and still only became politically aware a few years ago, may be surprised to learn that LGBT activism, at least in the mainstream, had a much different tone as recently as eight or nine years ago. There have always been the militant factions, and now there are only militant factions. But up until recently, the LGBT rights, quote unquote, movement marched under banners that said things like, you know, we just want to be left alone, and what two consenting adults do in their bedrooms doesn't affect you, and uh, we just want tolerance. Now, the more perceptive among us, such as yours truly, uh, recognized at the time that these claims and slogans were nothing but a cover story. But lots of people took it all at face value, believing that the activists really just wanted to live their own lives in peace and nothing more. Those people have been taken by surprise now, shocked to learn that actually what the activists want is not to be left alone or to be tolerated, but to have all of society, our laws, our institutions, our lives, revolve around them and their desires. And now... Everyone is finally learning that fact, but it's a little late in the game, unfortunately. Now let's get to our five headlines. All right, so going to, uh, back down to Florida and the backlash over the parental rights bill, um, with uh, people on the left still just unable to contain their outrage that they won't be able to at least in Florida talk to kids at least under the age of like third grade and younger about sexuality, um, I want to actually start by by playing a couple clips for you because I thought I thought these were interesting. Here's um, Raven Simone, who is a actress or a, what is she a singer? I don't know what she does. Oh, actress. I'm being told. Okay, so Raven Simone is an actress and who knows what and. Um, she is also on uh, on TikTok. She was on the Today Show and on TikTok speaking out about the uh, don't say gay bill, which people like her invented and doesn't exist. But I want you to listen to what she says because she actually says something that I kind of agree with. Listen.
3: I'm going to say this, and this is my thing. If there's a don't say gay bill, there should be a don't say straight bill mm. because it's not fair, and there are multiple kinds of humans in this world, and you are ruining the psyche the confidence of so many young children because you are discrediting their parents, the people they love, the people that raise them, the people that teach them the manners when they walk into that schoolroom. So if you're not going to honor their family, your family shouldn't be honored either. So let's just make it even slash equal.
2: Uh, No part of that made sense whatsoever. This is a parental rights bill and somehow it dishonors parents. So now she's concerned about parents. Parents are the ones saying... I don't want you talking to my kids about this stuff. That's what parents are saying. So you're dishonoring parents by not So as a parent, if I send my 6-year-old to public school in Florida, I am being dishonored if my if the if the first grade teacher doesn't talk to my kid about their sexuality. I mean, think about how how confused and deranged you have to be to see things that way. But She does say that uh, if we're going to have a don't say gay bill, we should have a don't say straight bill, and we don't have a don't say gay bill. But in this fantasy scenario where we do um, don't say straight, fine, I'm 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 good with that. Yeah, let's not talk about that either. That's that's the point. There's no reason why you should be taught. Why you need to sit down with a seven year old in elementary school and talk about gay, straight, anything. Any, anything sexual related. You don't need to talk about it. So absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm on board for that. I don't want you... You don't need to teach a seven-year-old about gayness. Neither do you need to sit him down and teach him about straightness. Whatever exactly that would entail. I feel the same way about it as I do about um, this... The debate about sex ed. And, you know, for so long it was... Do we have comprehensive sex ed education? Or do we have abstinence education? Well, I think abstinence education, if you're going to do it, is is uh, better than the so-called comprehensive sex ed, but I'd prefer neither. How about just don't talk about it? How about you as a public school teacher? You don't need to have this kind of conversation with my kids, whether you're talking about abstinence or not. I mean, yeah, it's the, the worst thing is for public school teachers to be you know, telling kids about how to put on condoms and and that sort of thing. Um that's obviously wildly inappropriate, but I also don't I don't really I'm not going to entrust a conversation about abstinence with some random public school teacher either. It's an important message, but you can leave that to me to talk about. I don't want you to do it. I don't trust you to do it. I don't trust you to handle that subject and it's not appropriate for you to be talking about it to kids who are not your own. So, yeah, you don't want, you don't want to Kids to be taught about being straight in six, when they're six years old? Sure. That's not, I don't even know what that would mean exactly, and it's not happening, but I'm on board for that. Just stick to the actual academic subjects that are appropriate for their age. How about that for an idea? One other quick clip. Uh, so um, a non-binary teacher has is speaking out, as so many others are, trying to explain why uh, it's so important for this person who I believe is a female uh, to be able to talk about this. Let's listen.
1: It makes me very angry when people don't want to talk about gender and sexuality in classrooms, specifically for the reasons that students won't understand. Um, Because in my experience with teaching, that is never the case. Um, I'm a non-binary teacher, and I use the title mix. Um, And today I had 12 new students and I just go, hi, my name is Mix for PQ. I use mix instead of miss. It's a little bit different, but I'm still a teacher, just the same. And they got it right away. I got mixed instead of missed all day. Um, And it makes it, it confuses me when people use that um, excuse that children won't understand because Students are very intelligent and they're learning all day. It's not hard for them to learn a different type of title.
2: Mix. How stupid does this get? And in a way, it kind of makes sense. You know, mix, you are you are pretty mixed up, it sounds like. Um, but no, that's the kids who went along with it, that's not them understanding. There's nothing to understand. It's nonsense. Um, nobody at any age can understand the concept of being non-binary because it's incoherent. And so it's impossible to understand for anyone. It's not that they understand it. They just go along with it because they're kids. And also because they probably, even at a young age, I don't know how young her kids are, but it sounds like they're pretty young. Um, her rather, I should say her students, this, the kids in her class, uh, no, they, they, they go along with it, and, and no matter how young they are, they've probably also already noticed that they're in a social environment where they have to just accept this kind of thing. Even if it occurred to them to ask questions about it, a lot of kids, it won't occur to them to ask questions about it. They tend to just accept whatever reality is presented to them. A lot of adults do that too, kids especially. But even if they thought, even if they had questions about it or were unsure or felt a little weird or strange, um, given the social environment they're in, they would—they would. These kids are not going to say that out loud because of the consequences they would face for it: the social consequences and even actual, you know, penalties from their teachers and administrators. So, when you tell a bunch of nonsense to a kid. And they sit there with a blank expression and kind of nod their heads and say, okay, that's not them understanding. That's them cooperating. Um, That's them being brainwashed, perhaps, because it's not hard to do with little kids. But no, that's, that's not what understanding is. But this is yet another teacher who, just like the kindergarten teacher we heard from yesterday, Um, as far as they're concerned, the kids are there to hear about them. These teachers think that this is what it's all about. This is what the kids are there for, to hear about them and their own lives and their own experiences. All right, Fox News has uh, this story. Um, It says, Jose Castillo, a current Walt Disney Company employee who's running for Congress in Florida, as a Republican, told Fox News Digital, Digital that the silent majority of Disney employees support the parental rights law, Uh, despite the loud minority leading Disney to take a stance against the law, which critics have branded the Don't Say Gay Bill. Um, Castillo said, there's immense pressure to toe the company line. However, the reality is that those drawing attention to this as you are in the minority, the Disney cast members who support the parental rights defended by HB 1557, far outnumber those who are protesting it. I am so tired of hearing about silent majorities. I mean, it's probably true. I would guess that most, I mean, Disney has tens of thousands of employees and it's probably true, spread all across the globe. And so it's probably true that the majority of them agree that we shouldn't be talking to seven-year-olds about their sexuality. But I'm so sick of hearing about the silent majority. It honestly makes me sick. And it makes me even more sick when conservatives take solace in it and are kind of like proud of it and say, you see, the silent majority agrees with us. Why are you being silent? That makes it worse, not better. I would rather, when you look at what's happening with Disney, I would rather think, I would rather believe that 90% of Disney employees are as insane as these LGBT activists that are pushing Disney in this direction. I'd rather think that, you know, 90% of them, all of them are on board with it. That would be less frustrating to me and also even slightly less concerning than what we're hearing about here. That this is just a s- small sliver of the company, a small minority. Everybody else knows that it's crazy, and they're not saying anything about it. I don't want to hear about silent majorities anymore. Because if you're in the majority and you're being silent, then it's we're not we're not on the same. If, if we're on the same side, but you're silent, then we're not actually on the same side. Um. You are on the other side giving your affirmation through your silence. That's what's happening. I don't want to hear about silent majorities. Look, I I get it. If you speak up and you're at Disney, if you're the only one to speak up, then they're just gonna they're gonna throw your ass out. You're you're done. You're gonna get fired. I understand that. Now if 80% or whatever of Disney employees don't agree with this, and all of them, or even a, a good portion of them speak up, well, they can't fire everybody. But even then, it's still, you're, still put, you're still putting something on the line. It's still a risk, even if you all speak up as a group. So either way, I totally understand this part of it, that if you speak up, you face consequences. If you speak up at your job, you face consequences. You could lose your job. And that's no small thing. You got kids to feed, I get it. I understand generally in society, it's the same deal. You speak up, you, face, you, you, you could face serious penalties for it. Just like I understand the uh, women on these sports teams where men are invading. If they really protested vocally, put their name and face on that protest, not just doing it anonymously, they face serious consequences. But at a certain point, you, you have to be willing to put something on the line i mean our what's at stake here is our is our whole society is at stake are we going to just careen at full speed into total madness and leave that kind of world for our kids is this is this the world we're going to leave for them because we're afraid to say anything and we don't want to lose our job. And so we stay silent and just watch as, as as our whole civilization marches off a cliff and everything is splintered and broken on the jagged rocks below. And then we, you know, our time on earth is done and we say to our kids, okay, well, have fun with this. Help you figure this one out. Is that what we're going to do? Or are we going to speak up now and say something? You know, one of the excuses people have now for not speaking up and not saying something, and I imagine a lot of the employees of, at Disney, the silent majority, one of the reasons they would give if you were to ask them for why they're not saying anything is, well, I've got kids. And uh, if I lose my job, I, I, it's going to make it harder to care for my kids. And I get it. But if you don't speak up, then, yeah, you'll be able to take care of your kids financially a little bit, little bit easier. But you've made it a lot harder. So you made your kids... If you don't speak up, then your kids' lives right now will be easier. But their lives in the future, based on the culture and society that we're giving them, it's going to be it's going to be a lot harder because of your silence. So I'm tired of the excuses. Sometimes courage is called for in life, and this is one of those times. You know, you got to we got to stand up and do something. Speaking of which, good transition here. The Daily Wire is. Um, is doing something uh, when it comes to uh, many of these problems, but especially when it comes to the leftist activism in, um, in children's entertainment. So it was announced yesterday, the God King Jeremy Boring held a town hall, which was uh, which we live-streamed, and I guess we have, we have a clip of it? We do. Okay, so uh, Jeremy's announcing our new initiative here at Daily Wire. We've got so many things going on, it seems like every day we're announcing a new thing, but it's an exciting time, and so this is the, uh, the latest venture of ours, and let's listen to that.
4: Because of the great reporting of Chris Rufo, we got to see leaked footage from inside Disney of high-up Disney employees saying things like, we have a not-so-secret gay agenda. Saying things like, we insert, we, we uh, make sure I get this quote right, we're adding in queerness wherever we can. And that, quote, no one is trying to stop the producer who was doing so. Another executive within the company said, If anything, we don't have enough LGBTQIA representation in content made for very small children. So what are we gonna do about it? Well, we're gonna do the same thing we always do. We're going to build alternatives. Americans have enormous economic might. They just don't have any alternatives. The Daily Wire is building those alternatives. And today I'm proud to tell you that we will be launching Daily Wire Kids. Our best days can be ahead. Walt Disney said, we can accomplish, all of our dreams can come true. If we believe, that's what we're saying. We have to believe in that future. I don't think that the future that the Disney company is building today is the future that Walt Disney dreamed of. I think that it's the future that's actually only being dreamed of by a tiny segment of radicalized, extreme left. I don't think that your average Democrat wants their kids having those values inculcated in them. I don't think that anyone in this country wants it except a tiny minority. So let them spend all of their money alienating everybody. And we'll be over here waiting. We believe in our Daily Wire audience. We believe that they will subscribe. In fact, if you're watching right now and you're not a dailywire.com subscriber, I'm asking you, not for a donation, I'm asking you, not begging, I'm asking you, go buy something, something of real value. Go buy a membership to the Daily Wire. Go buy a membership to Jeremy's Razors. Put your money where your mouth is. Come take part with us in building the future. In fact, if you go to dailywire.com buildthefuture right now, you can become a dailywire.com member. If you want to, because I know the price is high, if you want to save a little money, you could use promo code BUILDTHEFUTURE, and we'll give you 45% off. Or don't, because we need all the money that we can get. What is it worth to you? What's it worth to you to have content that you can trust your children with? What's it worth to you to have entertainment that doesn't sucker punch you every time you turn it on? What's it worth to you to have a good shave, without believing that the company that's selling you the razor wants to cut your throat, figuratively?
2: <laughs> so, Daily Wire Kids will be—we're uh, we're putting a lot of money into this investing. It'll be—it'll be officially launched next year, but. Yeah, this is the time, this is the time to subscribe, uh, become a subscriber, help us in this, this mission. I mean, I know as a parent, even before all this stuff with Disney, this is, you talk to other parents, it's like one of the, one of the primary complaints that you have. And you know, there's a lot of reasons to complain as a parent in, in modern society. Um, but this is what, this is one of the main things that, you know, it's, you you want to find just some entertainment for your kids. It's not that you want to put your kid, or at least you shouldn't want to put your kid in front of a TV all day. And there are parents that do that and they shouldn't, but, um, why should it be so hard to find at least some entertainment for your kids that they can just watch and it's, and and you can be confident that there's not going to be not just like little hints of liberalism here and there, but far left activism in the entertainment itself. And I know from experience, just like any other parent knows, it's very hard. You, you cannot trust anything these days. You can't just put on any show and say, oh, that'll be fine. Up until a year ago, you know, eight or nine months ago, you, you might have thought you could do that with a show like, I don't know, Blue's Clues. You would have thought, well, Blue's Clues is what? It's a show about a cartoon dog and he's going around his house looking for a stapler or something. And that's like the whole episode. How could you possibly make that into far-left radicalism? Well, no, now you turn on Blue's Clues and you see episodes with, talking about, with drag queens singing about pansexuals. So that's how bad it's gotten, and that's why we've got uh, Daily Wire kids. Go to dailywire.com and become a subscriber today. Okay, so from the uh, Daily Wire as well, it says a Buffalo-based lesbian couple is suing CNY Fertility Clinic in New York for allegedly giving them the wrong embryo. Heather Wilhelm Rautenberg and Robin Rautenberg Wilhelm explicitly requested that they have a baby daughter after undergoing fertility treatments. However, the couple was devastated to find out that they were expecting a son. Now they're responding with legal action against the fertility clinic claiming that Heather became suicidal after her son's birth and entered a dark depression upon finding out that she was carrying a baby boy. Um, upon first finding out the child was male at her 15 week appointment, Heather said she became convinced the IVF clinic mixed up the embryos and she was actually carrying somebody else's baby. Heather told Amy Klein at the post, I looked at Robbie and said, what if it's not yours? Who's in my body? That's when I flipped out. That's when I felt my body was taken hostage. Um, continuing, uh, we scheduled an ultrasound for the next day. That was the worst night of my life. I had this overwhelming sense of immobility. I remember lying in my bedroom thinking this can't be happening. Not only was the baby in my body not our, not ours, but the baby in my body was male, and he was put there against my will, just like rape. Um, and then it goes on. I, I can't even continue reading this entire thing; it's so disgusting. But they, you know, gave birth to the to the child, and now they're saying it's it's as if she was raped. So who is the rapist in this analogy? The baby? I suppose that's what it's looked at, how how it's seen. Now, she says that this child was put in my body against my will. Of course, that's not the case at all. You, you very much chose to undergo this procedure. And this is one of the consequences of when, when we treat human life like a commodity and we treat conception like some sort of science experiment that we do in a petri dish. Okay. This is one of the consequences, and I don't mean consequence of embryos could get mixed up or whatever, and you don't get exactly what you ordered. Ordered. I mean that is one of the consequences, but just think about the way we're talking about this. You ordered it like it's a, a catalog, like you ordered a you know a jacket from LL Bean or something. And this is human life, and the real consequence is that you start to see human life as a commodity. And then what? You get the wrong one, quote unquote, and you want to return it and you're suing because it was a, you know, a mistake in the customer service end of things. Treating human life like a commodity. That's the consequence. And where it all becomes about you, right? So for this lesbian couple, um, the child is all about them. They're having this child to serve their own emotional needs. It's not about the child. It's not about loving the child and caring for the child. It's about them, and they also believe, and this is another problem with, you know, the surrogacy, IVF, all this stuff, is that it carries with it this idea that you have a right. We talked about this last week. It's like this idea that you have a, you have a right to a child, when in fact you don't. Now, if you have a child as a parent, then you have a right to care for your children, and to not have that superseded by the government. Those are your parental rights. But you don't have an underlying human right to have a child to begin with. That's not a right that exists, but that's the way we see it now. And so these women thought, well, I have a right. I have a right to a child. And then I get the, I get, quote, the wrong one. Well, my rights have been infringed upon, and so now you have to pay me. So that's the consequence of treating human life like it's a commodity. This is just one; it's one of the more egregious examples, but we see it all the time in our society. Now, moving on um, to this, the Will Smith slap heard around the world um, continues to draw reactions, and it's pretty clear now that at least on on the race hustling left, you know, the 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 narrative is that um, he's entitled to respond that way because. Well, because he's a, a, a black man in defense of, uh, of his wife, and so he's, I guess, entitled to, to, to hit anybody that he wants to hit. And also, what we're being told, and here's one uh, viral video from someone who's making this point that um, if you're a white person, you really shouldn't be talking about this at all. It's, it's, it's not your place. Like Will Smith can walk up on stage during the Oscars and physically assault someone, and he's entitled to do that. But if you're a white person, you're not entitled to even have an opinion about it At least that's what we're told, listen,
3: What happened at the Oscars is not something white people need to speak on right away. There is so much nuance and complexity and layers that you will not be able to understand through your white experience without education and listening to specifically black women, which we all know many people don't. So when you share your perspective or your education on what you perceive to have happened last night, it's coming through your white lens, which has you on a place of moral high ground. Black's understanding of black trauma has such an emphasis on this binary of who is good or who is bad centers violence only actually continues to minimize black women and their pain and most annoyingly continues to center yourself on that really just is not your business so just take some time take a minute you don't have to respond right away really try and look at the entire situation before you speak on the shiny easy grab because what you fail to see through your white lens was the actual violence occurring the continued violence that is ableism and that is misogynoir
2: Oh, okay. Well, yeah, just just let us know, whoever you are, when we're allowed to speak and have an opinion about this event that occurred and we all saw and everybody was talking about. Just let us know. Uh, just, just you know, we'll, we'll, we'll all shut up collectively and we'll wait for you, whoever you are, on TikTok. Because we're the entitled ones, right? We're the ones who are entitled. I mean, she's just instructing an entire race of people letting us know the opinions we're allowed to have and not have, but we're entitled. Oh, no, and also... We're trying to make it about us, not her. She's not the one doing that. We're doing that. If you're wondering about this misogynoir noir term, and it's a, it's a new it's a new leftist buzzword every day, and this is this seems to be the or at least every week. Every week there's a new one. This is the leftist buzz phrase of the week, and it's um, I just looked it up because that's not the first time I've heard it this week. Misogynoir noir is, according to Wikipedia. Is misogyny directed towards black women where race and gender both play roles in bias? The term was coined by black feminist Moya Bailey in 2010. And now it's um, so it's that's the other thing they do is like you take this term that just some random leftist came up with and then um, and like two people have ever heard in their lives and then they just start like using it as if everyone is supposed to know what this gibberish means. Um, but it's very effective because then people do exactly what I just did there. You look it up like, what, is that, what does that mean? Okay. And then it, it enters into the lexicon. So um, if if a black woman is the subject of alleged sexism, it's not good enough to just say misogyny like everybody else. So she gets her special label, which is misogynoir. And all this, this whole thing is very nuanced, the whole situation. Well, it's actually not nuanced at all. It's like, it's probably one of the least nuanced public events in recent memory, it, it was someone standing up at a award show and slapping another guy because they didn't like a joke that was being told. There's no nuance to it whatsoever. Very straightforward. All right, this um, quick follow-up from the Daily Wire says, Representative Madison Cawthorn um, allegedly admitted to House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy during a meeting on Wednesday that his claims that senior lawmakers have used cocaine in front of him and invited him to their homes for orgies are not true. Played the clip yesterday of Madison Cawthorn on some podcast making a comparison to House of Cards and saying that real-life D.C. is similar to House of Cards and then claiming that he'd actually been invited to orgies um, involving other members of Congress. Only uh, he said that he was invited, the way he phrased it, to sexual get-togethers and that he also had witnessed uh, other politicians uh, using cocaine right in front of him. And um, this led to outrage among members of Congress. You might say they protest a little bit too much. And um, and now they're saying uh, McCarthy is saying that he admitted that it was uh, that it was an exaggeration, um, although he has not said that himself. Here's here's what I'll say, like I said yesterday, it it does not seem at all outlandish to me that this kind of thing goes on. I mean, we know it goes on. We had uh, we we had like was talked about yesterday, a member of Congress having threesomes. With her staff members, so we know this kind of thing goes on. Drug use, I'm sure it goes on. Um, do they invite each other to these events that explicitly? I don't know. So I don't know whether Madison Cawthorn actually, you know, encountered this or not. But I, but I will say that if you did encounter something like that, then you should name names. I like I'm, I'm willing to believe that this stuff goes on. But if you were if you know about it and you know who's doing it, if you actually saw a member of Congress you know do cocaine right in front of you, then tell us who. Put names attached to it. That's the other thing I'm sick of. Along with the silent majority, I'm I'm tired of hearing these stories, of, "Oh yeah, the things I've seen, you wouldn't believe." Well, tell me about it. You've watched, you've watched members of Congress break the law right in front of you. Tell us who did it. Put their name on it. If you're not going to do it, then just... There's no point in bringing it up to begin with. Let's get now to the comment section. If
3: you're a man, it's required that you grow a beard. Hey, we're the sweet baby
2: gang. All right, we got one video comment of somebody who has actually dared to disagree with me, I believe. And let's listen to him make his argument.
5: Hi, Matt. I respectfully disagree with you on the point that you made regarding that Republicans uh, voted to pass the anti-lynching bill. You said they should have voted against it. I would say no. Because if they voted against it, they would have given the Democrats exactly what they want. So we know that Democrats are race hustlers. They keep Uh, making up straw men regarding racism in the country so that they give the American people the impression that they are the party that is fighting for a quote-unquote racial justice. So if Republicans didn't vote to pass the anti-lynching bill, they would have given them exactly what they want. They would have given Democrats a, a huge ammo for years to come. So I'm glad they voted to pass it. But at the same time, they should have pointed out that it is a charade. We are voting for it, but we know it's just a charade. But because we're always the party that looks at people as equal human beings. That's what you uh, they, uh, they should have done. Um, and SBG for life.
2: Um, well, don't give me that at the end after you've dared... To contradict me on my own show? No, I look. I I, I completely disagree with you. For one thing, they can't. They, they cannot vote for it and then say we're voting for it, but it's a charade. None of them did, right? I mean, they just voted for it and didn't talk about it. Uh, the few members, uh, the few Republicans who called it a charade, called it what it is, didn't vote for it, and that's the way it has to be. If you're going to vote for it, you can't also come out and say this is all empty virtue signaling, because then that raises then then the obvious. Come back is well. Why are you voting for it then? So you're voting for something that you know that you acknowledge is an empty charade. You're wasting everyone's time, and you're voting for it anyway. It just makes you a coward. You're just you're you're amplifying your own cowardice. You're admitting to it if you do that. So either you vote for it and you say nothing, or you don't vote for it and you explain why. Those are the only two options that you really have. And they chose the path of least resistance, the most cowardly path as all, as always, and just voted for it. And it, yes, I understand that's the reason why. The reason that you outline is the reason why they voted for it. It's because they didn't want the headline, oh, Republicans vote against, um, vote against uh, anti-lynching law. But they're still going to be subject to the racism charge regardless. This doesn't change that at all. So it really doesn't make a difference. And rather than just assuming that the left is going to win the narrative game ahead of time so you don't even play rather than doing that how about counteract the narrative explain why it can't just be a couple of republicans but they all have to be on the same page or at least most of them and you flip it back around see that you're assuming just like the republicans do that they're going to lose the narrative battle ahead of time so they don't even bother And it's not like this is only, I mean, it is only empty virtue signaling, but it's not like it has a neutral effect. Because the point of passing this bill, yeah, it's to give Democrats a chance to virtue signal, it's to give Joe Biden a chance to virtue signal, but also it's to send the message to give the impression to the American people that this kind of bill is number one, necessary, and number two, um, had not been passed in the past because of racism. So all at once, they're sending a, they're they're reaffirming this false narrative about America's past and our present, because the impression they want to give to people is that well, we need an anti-lynching law because people are still getting lynched, which isn't true, and also that this law was never was never um, was never signed in the past because of uh, because of all the systemic racism, which is also not true. So it's not a neutral thing. You go along with it, and you're also... You're not just going along with the bill itself. You're going along with the narrative that is attached to it. I mean, what's next? What if... What if uh, I mean, next they're going to sign a law. They're going to have a law specifying that you're not allowed to, I don't know, burn gay people at the stake. We, we, need, we need a specific law for that. Even though that's already illegal... 15 different ways to Sunday, we need a specific law for that. The anti-burning gay people at the stake law. you going to vote for that too? I mean, let's just go through each hypothetical violent act that could be, that horrible violent act that could be committed, and we need a federal law specifically against each of those things. Where, where does it end? Should Republicans go along with that as well? Now, at a certain point, how about just going with the truth, telling people the truth? trusting people to understand it. All right, let's see. Jared Hyman says, little bit of fact-checking. Things that are falling do not continue to accelerate indefinitely. They eventually reach terminal velocity, which it does seem like Disney has now reached. Yeah, a lot of a, a lot of comments corrected me on the physics. I knew I should not have made an analogy that had to do with physics. But in fairness to me, I never said that things fall indefinitely, and, and or rather increase in velocity indefinitely. I just said that they increase in velocity, then they hit the ground, whatever. But then I also, I switched, the, I switched the analogy, and then I was talking about black holes, and what happens there? I mean, I imagine your velocity increases as you enter into the black hole, right? Or we're just going gonna to stop. I don't, I'm, I'm going I'm to quit while, while I'm behind. Um, DNA Studios says, one thing about the Will Smith thing is, is, if it was real, why at the moment his hand slapped Rock's face, there was a thud. Now, if you've ever slapped someone's skin, it doesn't sound like a thud think about that one. I know it just, it sounds like someone getting slapped in the face. Just why are you so desperate for this to be a conspiracy? There there are enough actual real world conspiracies that we don't need this one. This, this is not only a dumb conspiracy theory, but it's the lamest one imaginable. It's like, in, focus your energies elsewhere is what I would say. Um, all as Grace says, as someone who is someone mul- who has multiple rare diseases, as well as a mother of a young daughter who has the same and has ADHD, this false diversity and inclusion can be very irritating. How many disabled and or neurodiverse people does Disney include in their offerings? This is not coming from a victim mentality mindset. There are legitimate diversities out there, and our world could be a much better place for all of us if uh, those who wanted to be inclusive really were. But alas, it's not about that. It's about the agenda. I understand what you're saying. I can't. I can't go along with you here. I can't. Uh, I can't join you on this ride because number one, you're using the ridiculous term neurodiverse, um, but also, how about this? Um, just tell good stories. Like have the characters in the stories that need to be there in order for it to be a compelling story. I don't think we need to counter the leftist thing about diversity and inclusion by saying, "Oh, you know what." Uh, No, they actually don't have enough diversity and inclusion. We need even more of it. I don't don't think that's the right response. It's just tell the story. We don't need to have a a chart where we're keeping track. Okay, do we have this identity represented, this identity, that? No, just, just tell the story. That's all. Well, in a world of woke razors sold by men who cave to the demands of social justice warriors, you can now use a razor that pivots but doesn't cave. And yes, I'm talking about The Daily Wire and our new razor company, Jeremy's Razors. If you aren't one of the 45,000 Americans who already purchased Jeremy's Razors subscriptions, then head over to IHateHarrys.com to get your founder's kit and subscription. Now, the launch of our new razor company has been extremely successful, and because of this tremendously positive response, we're actively working to expand the Jeremy's Razors team in Nashville, Tennessee. Specifically, Jeremy's Razors is currently looking for an executive president, rather executive vice president, as well as a director of consumer experience. This is a huge opportunity to not just sell razors, but to be on the front lines of taking back the power from woke corporations. If you're interested, head to dailywire.com careers. This is your chance to join us. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. Today, I'm pleased to cancel Miss Ayo Sakai. Uh, She describes herself as an author, poet, political scientist, and linguist activist. I can only assume she added something as nonsensical and meaningless as linguist activist into her bio to distract from how nonsensical and meaningless the term political scientist already is. But in any case, all of these titles are secondary to Miss Sakai. As she explained in a viral tweet, the most important thing that you should know about her, and the thing that you really must know, everyone must know it, um, they must know it simply by looking at her somehow. The most important detail is that she has a PhD. So she posted, it is time to normalize the doctorate. It is not miss, it's doctor. It's not Mrs., Mr., Sir, or Ma'am, it's doctor. Not only at conferences, seminars, or academic spaces, it's at the grocery store, the hospital, the church, the airport, children's schools. It's doctor! Exclamation point. Okay, chief, whatever you say. Now, before we engage with this in more detail... We should note all of the other whiny academics in the comments who concurred. For example, Margaret Maloney, Ph.D., says, I'm with you on this. Why should I be made to feel like I'm being snotty because I want to be called by my official title and not miss or ma'am? But Dr. Elizabeth Craig agreed, I literally have a visceral reaction when I'm in a setting that I should be called doctor and I'm called miss or missus. Dr. Sean Hofian uh, offered this. This aversion to using earned honorifics from accredited institutions reveals more the intellectual inferiority complex of the people who refuse to accept them than the justified insistence of those who earn them. By the way, Dr. Sean is a plant ecologist. He spent seven years reading about plants, and he wants you to acknowledge that fact every time you address him. You can't just say, hey, Sean, or hey, you self-important, pompous, little, useless goober, which would be more accurate. You must say... Dr. Sean, or Dr. Self-Important Pompous Little Useless Goober. Whatever you say, Sean needs you to make verbal notes of all of the ecology textbooks he read. Of course, even if you're the sort of person who would be inclined to stroke the ego of fragile, narcissistic, alleged intellectuals like these, you may still be confused as to how you're supposed to know that they have these academic credentials. Sakai wants you to call her doctor at the grocery store. Well, is she wearing her cap and gown to the grocery store? Does she walk around with a sandwich board sign with a resume written on it? Actually, if she did, the sign would be blank because she has no resume. None of these people do anything or have any discernible skills. The point is just that the doctorate is not public knowledge. Unless you spread word about your doctorate through a media PR campaign, a la Jill Biden, uh, most people simply aren't going to know otherwise. And if they do know, who cares? Why should they have to address you accordingly? I'm unlikely to call even a medical doctor doctor outside of a medical context. The funny thing, though, is that most medical doctors I know don't insist on being called doctor. The doctors who seem hell-bent on being called doctors are the fake doctors, like the ones in this Twitter thread and the one married to the president. You can at least see why it might be useful to identify and acknowledge medical doctors in everyday life. Situations can arise where a doctor might be needed. So, you know, it's there's, there's that reason alone. There's a practical reason why maybe it's nice to know who the doctors are. But it's hard to imagine an emergency that would require a plant ecologist. As essential and necessary as Ayo Sakai might see herself. I doubt there's ever been a time when somebody rushed into a room and shouted, help, uh, we need a political scientist, hurry. Also, a, ling- a linguist activist would be helpful as well. If we get both. But this is all part of the narcissism of the age, I think. There's a reason why people who put titles in front of their names and letters after them are also prone to listing their pronouns. It's the same sort of thing. People are constantly seeking to be affirmed, acknowledged, you know, because they're, they're empty inside. They're obsessed with identity, but the identity is exactly what they lack, ironically. They're not grounded in anything. They're rootless and hollow. They're addicted to acknowledgement. They're desperate for affirmation. I remember a, uh, there was a, this weird and, and pretty bad horror movie that I watched several years ago. I forget what it was called, but there's this sudden darkness that falls over the country, and people disappear into the darkness and essentially, like, dematerialize. Like I said, it's weird. But as each character disappears into the abyss, they start muttering, I exist, I exist, over and over again, as they try helplessly to reassert their own existence. I think something similar is happening in our culture today. People feel as though they're constantly on the verge of non existence, and they depend on everybody else, on every passing stranger on the street, to affirm them, to like hold them in existence. They seem to fear that if they're not acknowledged in exactly the way they want to be acknowledged, They'll disappear. In fact, you often hear people like this complain about being erased. And I think that fear is perhaps more literal than we realize. People who spent hundreds of thousands of dollars and years of their lives just to earn a title that they can put on their names and, um, you know, they they are often going to be the, the most desperate for this kind of affirmation. That's precisely why they went through all of that effort to begin with. And I say all of this as a scholar of women's studies myself. Even though I'm a best-selling women's studies author of the book, What is a Woman? Available for pre-order at whatisawoman.com, which is based on the film, which will soon be released. You can also watch the teaser at whatisawoman.com. In spite of all that, um, and of the fact that my status as the nation's preeminent women's studies expert and LGBT children's author essentially makes me a doctor as well, I still do not insist on having those achievements recognized all the time. I just want them recognized most of the time. Well, all the time, I guess, but I'm the exception. As for the rest of these fake doctors, desperate for attention and for affirmation, they are all today, of course, canceled. And we'll leave it there for today. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover, production manager Pavel Vodowski. Our associate producer is McKenna Waters. The show is edited by Robbie Dantzler. Our audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. and hair and makeup is done by Cherokee Hart. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. New polls show Democrats getting destroyed in November. Germany outlaws expressing support for Russia. And an American university
4: gets rid of its diversity, equity, and inclusion office. Great stuff. Check it out at The Michael Knowles Show.